Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Back again. Thanks, you guys, as always, for joining us. Second free pod this week. You guys know this by now. Two free pods every week. We love it. We did quarterback battles for the spring on the pod earlier this week. And now, Shahan, it's a playoff show. We're doing the playoff. A year ago at this time, we did early playoff projections. We said one through four, what we thought the seeds would be. Evolution of thinking, I think, I think is important. This is perception. This is returning starters. This is schedule. This is vibe. This is coaching changes because spring football has not yet informed us. So I, I like doing this kind of thing. We are going to give our projected playoff seeds one through four, but let's go in the Wayback Machine. You want to see how dumb or, or not so dumb we were from a year ago? Do I? I? I don't know. We we got to wait. I want to hear the answers first and then I'll figure out whether we're going to release this podcast. Yeah, no, we will. We'll freezing cold take ourselves. That's fine. We can do that. Uh, our unanimous number one seed a year ago was Bama. We were like, I mean, it's Bama. They're probably mad that they lost the national title game. They're going to have the best offensive player and the best defensive player. Durr. We both picked Bama number one. What did we get? Were we silly to do that last March or was the whole world picking Bama and then they just had a goofy year? Yeah, they had such a weird year. This was this was maybe the weirdest Bama year that I can remember, because it's one thing if a team is just not that good. But Bama specifically lost games in bizarre, weird ways. Obviously, they lost to LSU on a two point conversion. They lost to Tennessee because they kind of tried to force things and then let Tennessee set up a game-winning field goal to beat them for the first time since Nick Saban took over. But the funny thing about that is I think it's easy to look at that and say, oh, well, those were kind of fluky games. Those were kind of fluky losses. But they also had fluky wins. The Texas game, they shouldn't have won. That that was so weird. Why couldn't they have beaten Texas? Texas A&M. You know, they they have a pass into the end zone as time expires. And unfortunately, Jimbo Fisher can't drop a play to save his life in 2022. Uh, Ole Miss has the ball with a chance to go win the game. And, you know, Ole Miss can't throw at all. So that that kind of cost them. But like there were many games that Alabama could have lost that they didn't lose. And they could have won both of the games that they did lose. I don't know if this team was any good last year or maybe it was great. And honestly, this makes it hard heading into this year to get any sort of feel of what I'm supposed to expect from Bama. Odd year. And it does affect how you view Bama going forward. Not that they're not going to be good, but usually they're good and they lack goofiness. I think that's fair to say. There's been, I think, a, a real lack of goofiness in the Saban era. It's like, hey, here's who they have. Here's what they're going to do. And then they go do it. And last year they had... Bryce Young and Will Anderson, who both might go in the top five of this NFL draft, and they had the season that you just described. So I don't think we were silly a year ago. I think it turned out that Bama had a sillier season than anybody imagined they would. Unanimous number two seed for us a year ago, Ohio State. And I think we saw the offense. We talked a lot about the hire of Jim Knowles on the defense should be better. We knew they had the Notre Dame opener, but you didn't exactly know who was going to get them. We did not have a lot of belief in a Michigan playoff repeat the way we talked last March. So that was not holding us back from anything. So we got that playoff team, right? Kind of had a lot of weird stuff had to happen for Ohio State to get in. But then once Ohio State was in, they certainly looked like one of the four best teams in the country. What do you think of our Ohio State pick from last March? Yeah, I mean, I think that the process of it was good. And I think that's what you have to judge, right? You have to judge if you were completely off or whether, like, things kind of went the way that they went. And, you know, like with Bama, like, things happened and football's a crazy sport. Uh, I, I think the process was good. I think that that uh, Ohio State was clearly a top four team in the country, of course. But, I mean, I don't think that either of us thought that what happened against Michigan last year was going to happen again. Uh, that was bizarre you know we, we've talked about it Michigan deserves to be spoken about as the program in the Big Ten right now because of what they've done the last two years but you know I, I don't think that was because of Ohio State's deficiencies they just played a bad football game again for the second year in a row and so 
it's less that I have questions about whether the sort of big picture situation of Ohio State has changed for me. And it's more, man, you got to go and win that game. Like you got to go and win that game. Uh, and heading into this year, I think that's going to be the biggest question facing them because Ohio State's probably going to be worse and Michigan's probably going to be better. Stay tuned for more Michigan talk. Stay yeah. tuned for more Michigan talk. Now we diverge. And this is where we get to the thing you just said about was the thought process good or not? My three seed was Clemson. Your three seed was USC. And we were both kind of oddly close. If Clemson doesn't lose to South Carolina in the last weekend of the regular season, they might make the playoff. Now, were they one of the four best teams? I don't know. That's not what the discussion is. It's a playoff show. It's not a four best team show. It's about who gets in. I will say that they're not. <laughs> USC, if they beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, USC's in the playoff. And so I was reticent about jumping on the USC bandwagon in year one of Lincoln Riley. You were less so. I think our minds potentially, well, did you pick USC once we got to the start of the season? I think maybe you did hold on with that. I, I think I did flip it. I think I did flip it. So I think your thought process of, and I think we can compare these thought processes. Two big-time programs undergoing huge change. USC got Lincoln Riley. Clemson lost Brent Venables and Tony Elliott, and we're replacing two coordinators. And even though we both were wrong, I think your thought process with USC was better than my thought process with Clemson, because my thought process with Clemson starting last March and all year was I think they'll figure out quarterback either DJ Uyunglele will be better or he won't be and they'll get to Cade Klubnik. And then basically, once the season ended, Dabo Sweeney said, yeah, maybe we should have gotten to Cade earlier. And I was like, well, yeah, maybe you should have. And maybe you would have beaten South Carolina and maybe you would have been in the playoff. But USC looked like a better team over the course of the season. What do you think of your USC pick last March? I think the USC pick ended up being really good. I mean, again, if Caleb Williams doesn't get hurt in the Pac-12 title game, then USC is the fourth playoff team. And Really, again, when we're making these picks, again, you got to think about the process. And USC, the process was always that their offense was going to be so good and so overwhelming that it would cover up for a lot of their defensive issues. And that's generally what happened. A similar deal. They lost to Utah the first time in Salt Lake City on a two-point conversion. If they get a stop that play, then they're still in the playoff. Now, Again, this is a distinct conversation from whether they were a top four team in the country. I think that obviously their performance in the Cotton Bowl probably proved that they were not. But at the same time, I think that I was pretty much spot on with my USC expectations. And and again, if not for some injury woes, I think that I probably would have been right. And I think Dabo should have listened to me. So I think there were things that were in place. It's like, just get get to the guy faster, man. Dabo, put, like, do it. You've done it before. I will say everybody talks about, oh, well, if we had changed to Cade uh, just a little bit faster and, and I'm, you know, I'm a Texas guy. I watched Cade play. He's a great player. I don't think they beat Wake Forest in double overtime with a freshman quarterback. I don't think they beat Florida State with a freshman quarterback. I don't think they beat Syracuse with a freshman quarterback. So, like, you would have had to thread the needle absolutely yeah. perfectly in, in order to do that. And maybe... Look, maybe that could have happened, right? I mean, Dabo threaded the needle perfectly with Trevor Lawrence back in 2018. It has happened before, but I am very hesitant to jump on the bandwagon that, well, all we needed was Kate Klubnik to play a lot more and that would have fixed everything because Kate Klubnik had also several games where he was not very good. Listen, Dabo is a two-time national champion at Clemson. He is a professional needle threader. I'm not saying it would have been easy. True, true. I'm saying it could have been done. I mean, like, did did you watch him against Tennessee? Kate Clubbick was We're good not on good against Tennessee. We're good on Clemson. Okay. Okay. It's okay. okay. Let's move to the team. Who's the team that we didn't uh, talk about yet? Georgia. So our fourth spot conversation, you kind of wanted to pick NC State, and I kind of <laughs> wanted to pick Utah, and we didn't. And I did pick Baylor which I feel like I get half credit for, for the TCU season. It's like I was in the right area. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. You picked Georgia. And I was just off Georgia of, I think they'll have a loss you don't see coming. They lost so many defensive guys to the NFL. And that was totally wrong. And so you at least got Georgia in the playoff. But certainly a year ago, we could have been saying, right? I don't. We could have been saying, hey, man, they're going to reload on defense. Stetson Bennett's back. 
Todd Monken's the guy. They have a great running game. Brock Bowers is awesome. I'm thinking repeat. And that is not the conversation that we had last March, but at least you did pick Georgia to make the playoff a year ago. No, and the only reason that I had them as a four, I thought that they'd go 12-0 through the regular season. I just thought that they'd run into the one seed in the SEC championship game in Alabama. And really, I think that heading into last year, I would have said just whoever wins that game is going to be the one seed and whoever loses that game is going to be the three or the four seed. So I think that, you know, again, I, I with the information that I had at the time, I don't feel too bad about that pick. Honestly, I don't feel too bad about any of my four picks. Uh, looking back in hindsight, thank goodness I didn't pick NC State. And Lord knows, thank goodness I didn't pick Baylor <laughs> for that fourth spot. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's what it comes down to is you know, look, if, if Georgia had gone 12 and one and Alabama had gone 13 and 0, then I think that it would have worked out something a little like this. And it just turns out Georgia was that dominant team and not Alabama. Okay. So that's recapping how close we were in the end. You were better than me. We were okay. I don't think it was a ridiculous discussion that we had, but we did underestimate Georgia and Michigan as teams who then made the playoff again and so we did underestimate that will we underestimate them again let's make our picks for this playoff season next on the college football survivor show previously on the college football survivor show would you like to guess what did not happen in this defensive draft is there something that stands out that did not happen no are you referring to something no Oklahoma players drafted. Did you even have an Oklahoma player on a list anywhere? Nowhere. No. We took five Oklahoma players in the offense draft. They were the second most represented offense. I forgot their nickname during the course of the defense draft. I was like, the Okies? What are they again? Just not even a thought, right? <laughs> okay. You know, Okoronko, nice player who I never considered. I don't know. He's the guy whose name I at least wrote down. Catch the latest episode of the College Football Survivor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Shahan, these are the teams that in the history, the nine-year history of the playoff, have made the playoff multiple years in a row. Clemson made it six straight years from 2015 through 2020. Alabama made it five straight years from 2014 through 2018 and then made it back-to-back years again in 20 and 21. Oklahoma made it three straight years from 2017 to 2019. Ohio State made it back-to-back in 19 and 20. Georgia made it back-to-back the last two years. Michigan made it back-to-back the last two years. So there's some nice back-to-backs. The only, but only three teams have made it more than done it three times in a row, which if we're going to talk about Georgia and Michigan, that's what we're talking about. It was Clemson and Bama dominating the playoff. And then, by the way, Oklahoma also did it. So I want to ask you a question to start this conversation. And when we look at Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State, the four playoff teams from last year, shorthand answer to get us started. Do you believe Georgia will be better or worse this year? Worse. Do you believe Ohio State will be better or worse this year? Worse. Do you believe TCU will be better or worse this year? Way worse. Do you think Michigan will be better or worse this year? Better. Is Michigan going to win the national title? No. Okay. This is where my conversation starts because I am wrapped in an enigma and rolled in mustard. I don't know what to do (laughs) because I think I have some views on – who the best teams might be. I have views on paths to the playoff, but I think I might believe that we are preparing for the absolute best of Michigan. And that starts with JJ McCarthy at quarterback as a returning starter. It starts with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards forming the best running back tandem in the country. It includes Michigan in uh, Bill Connolly's SP plus rankings of, of returning production being fifth in the nation in returning production. They have a good linebacker group. They have all their safeties back. They have 
two legit corners. They have Chris Jenkins at defensive tackle. They always have good edge guys. They have two really good interior offensive linemen recruiting, and they went in the portal again to help the offensive line. Last year, when they went in the portal for the offensive line, they found the best center in the country. They have a legit tight end. Cornelius Johnson is a 6'3 receiver who's back and ready to be a number one receiver. Yes, they lost Matt Weiss as the quarterback's coach and co-offensive coordinator and kind of a goofy situation there. But Sharon Moore is back, and they did not lose Jesse Minter as a defensive coordinator who maybe reportedly finished second in the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator job. And they have an easy schedule. And they have Ohio State at home. I think the path is there. I think the talent is there. I think the coaching is there. I think the skill guys are there to a greater degree than we've seen at Michigan. I think the offensive line will be there. I think what Sharon Moore does there and the guys they bring in, I think that's almost a sure thing. I think there is a depth of talent defensively. And I would like to tell you why me, I I have Michigan as my number one seed in the playoff. Now, does that mean I'm sure that Michigan's going to beat Ohio State for a third straight year? No, it does not mean I'm sure of that. But they do get them at home, and there's a lot to like about this Michigan team. I do think we are seeing peak Michigan. I think they will be a better team than the team that made the playoff the last two years. Does that mean they'll win more games, that they'll advance farther in the playoff? Not necessarily. But I think they'll be a better team. I also think Ohio State might be more prepared mentally, emotionally, physically, schematically, everything for this Michigan game than they've been the past two years. And I think that Ohio State-Michigan game is going to feature two of the best four teams in the country. Does it mean they'll both make the playoff again? I don't know. There's a lot of maneuvering and logistics and what happens everywhere else that matters here. But I have Michigan number one. Why not? It's hard to argue. I, I will say I do not have Michigan number one. I, I I have them in my amorphous group. I I'm still I'm still trying to piece together because I do want to have some discussion about so this. I, I will so much. I will say uh, George is my number one team. They're the two time reigning national champions. They just have enough coming back that I I think that they deserve that spot. I I don't even know that we need to make too much of an argument about it oh, because I there's think an that, argument. I'm going to be making uh, an okay. argument. Right, Go right. ahead. We can get to, but but I will say I I feel like the Michigan discussion has to go along with the Ohio State discussion because to me that is Michigan's path. They have to beat Ohio State. There's no other pathway. It is a one-game season for them. Now, I will say, m- more than last year, on the road against Penn State is very intriguing. I think that's a real game, whereas last year it wasn't really. But this is, to me, for both Ohio State and Michigan, a one-game season. Really, almost nothing else matters except for this game. And so, you Oh, said no, it. I disagree. I disagree from an Ohio State perspective on that. Okay, okay, that's that's fair. Um, no, and I mean, th- there there is another interesting game that I think that we'll get to, but being around Ohio State, And and again, like I said, I think they're going to be worse. They're not going to bring back CJ Stroud. They're losing a couple of key players. How confident do you feel about where Ohio state is when you look at where Michigan is and the fact that the game is going to be played in Michigan? So I think Ohio state, has to and will have a better a better emotional and mental approach to the Michigan game. I've I've sort of been on the record. I think the Michigan win in 2021 was football. Yes, it was at home, but that was Aiden Hutchinson. That was David Ajabo. That was Blake Corum and that offensive line in the run game. That was Michigan scheming up Ohio State and out footballing them. And I don't think that was a rivalry win. I think that was a football win. I think last yeah. year was a rivalry win. I think in Columbus all year, Ohio State thinks about it all year. They gear up for this. They're trying to be this physical team all year in the run game to match Michigan. Then they blow a bunch of coverages. Michigan has a plan to have J.J. McCarthy attack them down the field. I think that was a rivalry win. So they got to get the rivalry stuff figured out. And I think they will. But then we go back to the football. And Michigan, I think Michigan is really good. Now, the difference factor here is, again, it's the same thing with all this stuff. Path, schedule, how you get there, what it means. Do you want an easy path? Do you want a tough path? Do you want credit for your resume? Do you want fewer chances of getting tripped up? Ohio State has road games at Notre Dame and at Wisconsin. Those are two real top 25, maybe more, road tests. 
Ohio State gets Penn State at home. Michigan gets Penn State at Penn State. But that's three teams that Ohio State's going to play. That's one team that Michigan's going to play. Michigan, once again, has nobody in the non-conference. This is not a non-conference conversation at all for Michigan, just like last year. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green. And then they start in the Big, in Big Ten play. Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State. Like I, and then they're by. Like I just it, you you Michigan is in a very similar position I think to Georgia, and Ohio State's more in a similar position to Alabama. That like you can look at Georgia and Michigan and be like I don't know man like who's gonna beat them until they face this other team. Now Michigan's gonna face Ohio State in the regular season. Georgia wouldn't face Alabama into the SEC title game. But do you have to with both Georgia and Michigan? say no matter how good they are no matter how easy their paths are do they have to beat that other team to make the playoff and so i think i'm agreeing with you on what i think part of what you're saying is which is just like last year ohio state will have more of a resume that if ohio state loses to michigan they have a better path to the playoff than michigan does if michigan loses to ohio state and that's just schedule that's not how good you are that's just schedule but what if Michigan absolutely looks like the best team in the country all year? Because as we talked on our quarterback, quarterback battle podcast earlier this week, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan's the only one returning a starting quarterback. What if they look the part and they are blowing people out and then they play a great game against Ohio State and Ohio State beats them by a field goal? I know the resume wouldn't get them there, but the eye test might. I think there's a chance I think Ohio State and Michigan could both make the playoffs still. I, I think that's definitely possible. I just wonder how Michigan could have the eye test if they have one plus win the entire season. Because like this, this would be, I mean, a horrible resume. Like, you know, Penn State is a legitimate game. I think Penn State is going to be a top 10, top 15 team. Maybe even on the edge of the playoff, I think that would help them out a lot if Penn State was awesome. But like, What's the second win on that schedule? Are you bragging about Purdue? You don't believe. So isn't eye test and resume different things, though? Eye test is they beat everybody 48 to 3. And every week the committee comes on and says, Michigan is the best team. They are the most balanced team. They're explosive offensively. They're solid and aggressive defensively. They're well coached. The metrics support it. Their schedule is they have not been tested as much as other teams, but they are taking care of business and dominating the opposition they face. Michigan is our number one team. And every week, who's the guy this year? Who's the playoff? Is it? Uh, it's it's Boo Corrigan again. again. Right? It's Boo yeah, again. again. Boo Corrigan every week. The first five times they have the 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 show, Michigan's number one. Michigan's number one. Michigan's number one. And then Michigan loses to Ohio State, and they decide well, we're not going to completely forget about them because we think they're one of the four best teams in the country. That's what it would have to be. It's not going to be resume. It's not resume, of course. Yeah, but but then like I don't know, and and maybe we're going to have to kind of wait and see what happens in the room, but like. If you beat a bunch of bums and then falter against the only real good team that you play, then doesn't that throw everything else into question? Like whether you actually did anything? But did you falter or did you just play a really good team and you played a really good game and you lost? I mean, you can't get your doors blown off. But like if Ohio State, Michigan play a high level game, then I don't know. We know we know what this, their schedule stinks. We know that. Like, so yeah. I'm trying to figure out like you don't think. So is your so let me ask this. We're making predictions here. Do you have Michigan in the top four or no? Right now, I do, but I w- this is a fluid process. I, I'm not committing because okay. I want to have this conversation. Right now I do, but I don't feel good about it. Okay, so and it's because do you think Michigan talent coaching will be one of the four best teams in college football in twenty twenty three? I think that they easily have a pathway to it. Now, my my question is, so last year, like you said, last year was a rivalry win. That That's what it was. It was a mental game. It was a an Ohio State shot themselves in the foot three times in that game. If you talk about like the actual on-field product, I think that the 2021 team was substantially better than the 2022 team. And I expect that the 2023 team is going to be substantially better than the 2022 team. I'm curious. I'm curious. I I don't know that I can get all the way there to be confident. I'm curious whether 2023 ends up being better than 2021 because I think that there's more of a depth of talent. 
My question, I think, heading in is, are there the, the superstars? Are there, you know, I, at the running back position, absolutely. That, that's not in question. But 2021, I think, you know, this group is probably better, but it's not like another planet. Like Hassan Haskins and, and Blake Corum was a really good combination in 2021. Defensively, they had the best edge rushing combo in the entire country that year in Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. Last year, they were very good defensively. They were very solid defensively. They were not as dynamic defensively because they didn't have guys like that. And heading into 2023, that's kind of part of my question about whether they have true 2021 football guaranteed upside is, do they have those dynamic players? Because like you said, they're going to have good edge rushers. That, that's not in question. And I'm not saying they have to have Aiden Hutchinson to be a good team. But my question is, do they have a trump card against the elite teams in college football on the defensive side of the ball or, or, or on the offensive side of the ball in some ways? I mean, they've got those running backs, but I, I think that that's a legitimate question to have. Well, I think J.J. McCarthy has a chance to be one of the five best quarterbacks in college football. I, I don't. Think I definitely Corum, don't think that. I, I, oh, I, th- I, don't I think all. there's more upside there. I think there's more upside there. I think Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards have a chance to be two of the five best running backs in college football. I, I really like Donovan Edwards. I think Cornelius Johnson has a, is a legit number one receiver. I think I'm not saying he's Quentin Johnston, but this is a big guy who can make big plays. I think that's different. That's different than they didn't have those receivers. They had receiver injuries in 2021. I think the offensive line will be good. I think Will Johnson and Mike Sandra still at corner are going to be two of the better corners in the Big Ten. They're deep at safety. Junior Colson's one of the best linebackers in the Big Ten. They brought in this Ernest Hausman guy at linebacker from Nebraska, who's one of the bigger gets in the portal. I think Chris Jenkins has a chance to be one of the best defensive tackles in college football. And David Ojabo, in the offseason before 2021, we didn't know who he was. And so I, I do think there's a chance that there are guys in there I think they have a chance. Mike Morris was good last year, but like they weren't as dynamic. I think there's some guys sitting in there that could become not Aiden Hutchinson, but they develop guys there now. Like this is a program that develops guys defensively and has a plan of how they want to use them. So I just believe in a lot of what they do. I think they will be the best combination of offense and defense that they've been in this three-year run. And I don't think anybody's going to get in their way. And I think they, I think they figured it out. Like I think they figured it out, man. And in a world where, you know, Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State are trying to find their quarterback, I don't have a lot of doubts about JJ. I think there's a lot of upside there. I think he learned a lot of tough lessons on the fly last year. I think they will let him go more this year. They really had a governor on him a year ago, so. I think, I think we're I, that's probably the Michigan discussion we need to have. I, I'm not going to make my Ohio State Michigan prediction for the last Saturday in November now. My assumption is that Michigan and Ohio State, based on talent and coaching, not based on schedule and path and logistics and maneuvering, will be two of the four best teams in college football. I don't know who that means, who I think is going to win that game. I don't exactly know what I think that means about can both make the playoff because Ohio State needed a lot of help to get in last year. But I think the Big Ten, I think they're going to be two of the four best teams. I, I just, I do need to address because uh, two parts of this. One, I think that this pick and picking them number one necessitates you making a pick, not your final pick but a pick of that game because Michigan has no path to certainly number one without beating Ohio state. And I think that they have a very difficult path to making the playoff. If they lose to Ohio state, they have to win that game. It, like you said, in a way that Ohio state probably doesn't though, I think it's very important that they win that game too, not just for their playoff case, but also just for Ohio state as a program right now. I also, the second thing is I have way more questions than you about JJ McCarthy. I mean, he completed half of his passes against Ohio State. He threw two pick sixes that cost him the game against TCU. This has not been a quarterback who's been consistent in any sort of way. Now, he's been explosive. That's something that he's given Michigan over Cade McNamara. But I, I need to see down to down consistency. And we haven't seen that at any point from, from JJ McCarthy. And I think that he needs to be that. But but do you have more belief in the Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State quarterback situations yes, than you do in J.J. McCarthy? Why? I Why? J.J. McCarthy is a five-star who's played. 
These these other teams have five stars who have never played. He's played average, and and I get it. Like, I mean, I would absolutely take whatever Ohio State's throwing out there at quarterback next year over what Michigan has at quarterback because I trust what they do with their quarterbacks, and I trust their system more. And I think that Michigan is kind of asking J.J. McCarthy to just go out there and be great. And I don't think that he is. I, I don't think that he is yet. Now, that can change. I'm not saying that he's a finished product by any means. But I have a lot of legitimate questions. And I think that that does absolutely impact the way that I see Michigan's upside is how confident I am that J.J. McCarthy is going to be that player. I, I'm just not confident in it right now. I think Michigan has, has gained a lot of trust in how they've gone about it the last two years. So I have a lot of faith. The Matt Weiss thing is weird. I have, and Very weird. I, I, have a, I have a lot of faith in just how in Michigan's process right now. So sure. I, I think you can see the talent and I think you can see the results of the process. So I don't, I'm not, I didn't have a lot of trouble getting here other than like, does this mean I'm picking Michigan at home? To beat Ohio State when I know who Michigan's quarterback is and I don't know exactly who Ohio State's quarterback is. Here in early March, as Ohio State is one practice into their quarterback battle, I I guess I'll pick, if you're going to make me, I'll pick Michigan to beat Ohio State at the beginning of March with waiting to see what Ohio State looks like. To be fair, I probably was a little bit more confident in Ohio State before one of the quarterbacks competing for their starting job said he idolized Tate Martell. I I don't feel quite as good anymore. if you saw a video of that, that was me screaming after he said that. <laughs> really? that was, I did. Devin see Brown that. said Devin Brown was. You can see the top of my head in the video. I think I saw a bald spot. Devin Brown said, "You know, I went. I grew up going to Tate Martell's camps, and I went, oh." <laughs> and Devin Brown was like, "Why is this old man screaming?" And I said, "That's a magic name around here, Tate Martell." So then Devin Brown had to have like a five minute conversation off to the oh side with me gosh. about Tate Martell when things were done. So you just yeah. sometimes people say names and you got to yell. Okay. <laughs> so I have Michigan number one. You think you have Michigan in your top four, but we're both kind of talking our way through this. Do you have yeah. Georgia number one? I do. Why? Well, uh, we are a playoff show. You might know Georgia's won the last two of these things. But more seriously, Georgia's defense last year was really young. They bring back a lot of production on the defense side of the ball. Their defense was good last year, and certainly they're going to miss Jalen Carter a whole lot. But they have some guys, especially in that defensive backfield, who I think are only going to get better. Six of their their top 11 guys in snaps on defense last year were first or second year players. Yeah, which is crazy for a team like Georgia. Uh, You know, Malachi Starks is somebody who came in and provided an instant boost. I just think that Georgia has kind of like defensively, they've kind of perfected this thing. Like they just have a process and a system and a development uh, strategy that even when they lose guys as good as Jalen Carter, they have so many players who have also played for them that it's not like you're worrying about experience or worrying about development. They are so good, uh, you know, to, to bring another Texas kid into the fold. Bear Alexander on the defensive line is, is a kid from out here. He is going to be insane. He is going to be absolutely ridiculous for them at defensive tackle next year. I'm very excited to watch him. Um, you know, so defensively, I have very few questions. I think, again, they're going to be, I think, even better in the secondary than maybe they have been last year and maybe even the year before that because they were kind of inconsistent at times in the secondary. And offensively, look, they, you know, they, they certainly have questions at quarterback. And I actually probably have as many questions at offensive coordinators as I do as quarterback. You know, Todd Monkey was such a big part of what they did. But they've got a great offensive line. I think that they've got a strong running back room overall. They have maybe the best offensive player in the country or at worst top three in Brock Bowers, who I think is going to make that transition a little easier. I expect them to stick with a very heavy tight end game despite losing Darnell Washington because I think that they've realized that that is a a huge mismatch these days in college football. If you do have these freaks who can move around like it's nothing and still block at a high level. So I think that they're going to have a lot of time to figure out that quarterback position because they also don't play anybody. During the regular season, hardly. I mean, Tennessee should be pretty good, but like, that's kind of it. You know, Florida is still kind of a mess right now. They don't have, I think, appear until they play in the SEC championship game. And 
at that point, I have more faith at this point in Georgia than I do in LSU than right now I do in Alabama. And especially if you give them 13 games, I think by game 13, they're going to have that quarterback position sorted out and having that guy playing at a high level. So I think that Georgia's process remains good. I do think that I am less confident than most that Georgia's actually going to be the team that wins the national championship next year. But I do think that they will be the number one seed. So there were times when Stetson Bennett went out and won games for Georgia. Totally. Right? The Missouri game last year, he leads two touchdown drives in, at the end of the game when they're down 10 to lead that comeback. He's like seven of nine on the two drives to do that. And I have real questions about matching the Todd Monk and Stetson Bennett combo with Mike Bobo and guy who wins the job, whether it's Carson Beck, who's a fourth year guy who looks good in the pocket, but isn't as mobile as Stetson Bennett, whether it's Brock Vandegriff, who's a five-star guy who runs around better, but do you, do you think he'll stand in there and do what he needs to do the way Stetson Bennett did it? And they will get back, right? First national championship. It's a defense first team. They're struggling with the quarterback position all year. The defense leads them. Last year, as we said, going into the playoff, they actually were an offense-first team a year ago. They're going to be back to being a defense-first team, right? Kamari Lasseter, Malachi Starks, Javon Bullard, Smell Mondin, like just it's going to be Dumas Johnson. All We get it, right? It's going to be ridiculous. But they, they're still going to need the offense to bail them out at some point somewhere. And sure. I don't know. I, I don't know. Now, I have Georgia second. And it's almost <laughs> entirely because they don't play anybody. And I don't know who's going to get them. And then I don't know what the SEC title game means. So again, a lot of this conversation, we have to have a playoff conversation that is slightly more sophisticated than pick the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, pick the winner of the SEC championship game between Bama and Georgia. Although maybe we don't. Maybe that is the whole conversation. And we could have a conversation of, could those be your four playoff teams? Could those be your four playoff teams? Could Because could those be the four best teams? And then logistically, everything, it just, the losers build off enough capital during the course of the season. The games are close enough that the loser of the SEC title game and the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game are now seeds three and four. I don't think that's impossible. I'm not saying it's what I did, but I think it is a very similar conversation, Shahan, because again, Michigan and Georgia don't play anybody, but then you look at, Bama, they're going to play Texas. They're going to play LSU, right? They're just going to have more tests, just like Ohio State is. So what does that mean? If Bama and Ohio State lose, I think this might be what it is. Undefeated Georgia and Michigan, one loss Alabama and Ohio State, welcome to your playoff. If that's not how it works, then it gets more difficult. But how similar do you think those circumstances are? I think they're similar. I think they're similar for sure. I, you know, we're going to, I think, have a Bama discussion maybe right after this. So, you know, I, I feel more confident in Georgia being better than Alabama than I do in Michigan being better than Ohio State. That's probably like the one wrinkle to this. But no, I mean, there there is absolutely a pathway to this being the four teams. To, to these being the four best teams in the country, to them all having one or fewer losses. I, I think that's absolutely a possible pathway. I don't think I'd pick it. I, I'm not there quite as yet. But I'll tell you what, if you wanted to go to Vegas and make some money, like this is the bet, right? This is the yeah. bet that these are the four playoff teams. That's one of the safest bets you're going to find in college football. So I, I think that there's absolutely a pathway to it. But like I said, I think it has to be you know, not, uh, Michigan beating Ohio State and Ohio State having one loss. I think that, well, yeah, I mean, uh, here, here's a question, I guess, is with Georgia, can they afford to lose any games if they don't win the SEC? Right. Can they can they afford another loss other than losing to Bama in the SEC title game? Right. Could they be a two? I, I don't think so, which is why I didn't pick yeah. them to make the playoff last year. Because I had Bama as the number one seed and I thought somebody would bite them. Sure. And then nobody did. But again, yeah. we just went through. I mean, like they they had moments where they they could have lost. And so and then it turns out that Bama doesn't get there. So I, I don't want to sit here in March and not have the two time defending national champion in my playoff. <laughs> but sure. I have real, real concerns about losing Todd Munkin. 
and I have yes. I have yes. I have concerns about that. I have questions about how they're going to figure out the quarterback position. Not necessarily concerns, but I could I could see them picking the wrong guy, making a change in week three. Oh, do we wind up kind of playing two guys for September? I I don't know that it's going to be obvious. And I I so that's I have I'm basically defaulting to them at number two here because of their schedule. But I but I do I don't feel strongly about this other than the fact that they're two time defending champs. And I will say, you look at their schedule again. I I feel more confident that Georgia can blow through their schedule than probably anybody else in the country because yes, it's not a very good schedule, but it's also just so many bad matchups for those other teams for, on Georgia, right? Like. Tennessee is, I think, going to be a good team next year. I think they could be a top 10 to 15 team for sure. Also, I don't think they have anything for Georgia. I, I think that they are a horrible matchup. I think that they'll get bowled over. I, I think that uh, they just can't hang. And so Georgia will get to pick up a potential top 15 win that way. And and maybe, you know, that's kind of what it's been for Michigan against Penn State the past couple of years too. So maybe it'll be kind of similar that way. But I just... I, I mean, at Auburn, like Auburn's a mess right now. Florida's a mess right now. And they just apparently lost maybe a top five pick drafted quarterback. Uh, South Carolina, I, I just can't get there. They do have that explosive potential. And the thing that I do like about South Carolina is that they are the third game of the year, the first SEC game of the year after Georgia's only played UT Martin and Ball State. But I just don't think that South Carolina can get all the way there against Georgia. I think that they can give them a scare, but probably not actually beat them and i mean like kentucky is worse georgia you know that the way that they build their yeah. team is worse georgia Ole miss what they're gonna run on georgia come on like I, I just don't see the vision of how really anybody could beat them even if georgia does take a step back this is what happens when the defending national champ comes from a not very good conference so that's what just happens, <laughs> right? I mean, it's one of those things. Oh, it's the SEC, and then you go through, and it's like, oh, right. Nobody can play with Georgia. There are three so teams. That's weird. It, there's only Alabama, Georgia, and LSU, and you know, that's it. That that's kind of the whole deal. Okay, so let's. So we both have Georgia in. I have Michigan in. You think you have Michigan in? Let's have an Ohio State conversation here. Do you have Ohio State in? Right now, I have them teetering on the edge between four and five i they are they're the team that i am most probably interested in trying to figure out. actually them or alabama i i really have no good feel for either of those teams right now so i have ohio state three okay and i think ohio state as we talked about they'll be able to build up a better resume with some road wins at notre dame and wisconsin i think they'll be tested in those games but i think they'll win I think they'll figure out the quarterback position one way or the other between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. And we did talk that I went to Ohio state practice on Tuesday. We talked to both quarterbacks and I think that'll be a good competition. I think it is open. Kyle McCord is a year older, has played a little bit more, but I do think it is an open competition. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Buka, Julian Fleming will make up the best receiver core in the country. I think they'll be better at running back if they don't have a bunch of injuries again. They have real, 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 real concerns on the offensive line. They don't know who their tackles are going to be. And none of the guys competing at tackle are huge five-star recruits or anybody with much experience. So replacing two guys who could be first-round draft picks to tackle. That's a big deal. And then Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator, was talking about like all the things that kind of he did, didn't do well last year. So they have things to fix. They're going to they're gonna work on things differently. He thought he spent too much time teaching last year and not really like developing guys. I think he feels like he put some guys in the secondary on islands too much. So every time they gave up a big play, it wasn't a 25-yard play. It was a 75-yard touchdown. And so it was like it was pretty eye opening. I, I appreciated that Jim Knowles was sort of saying, "Hey, this is the things that we need to get better at." They they were better defensively last year than they were the year before, but you know, as you saw against Michigan and Georgia, they weren't good enough, especially giving up explosive plays. So I do think there is a chance to be improvement there. I think that there's a chance that their cornerback situation is a lot better. So I think Ohio State has a chance to win the national title. I do. And I think there's a world where Ohio State goes to Ann Arbor, loses to Michigan for the third time in a row, and then wins the national title. Because I think the thing at the moment remains for me, which is they're just a little more prepared to go out into the world in the playoff than they are to play Michigan right now. Doesn't mean they can't beat Michigan. But Michigan's good. Michigan's at home. But given the resume I think they'll build up, 
The areas where I do think they will improve, they will miss C.J. Stroud. They will miss Paris Johnson. They will miss DeWan Jones. But that receiver room is nuts. I I think they're going to be very good again, and then it's just tr- it's hard to analyze the Ohio State-Michigan game in March. But I have Ohio State as my three seed and Michigan as my one, and I guess that's Michigan being the Big Ten champs at 13-0 and and Ohio State being 11-1 and with a loss to Michigan. So offensively, like you said, I'm actually pretty excited about – how well I think Ohio State's going to be able to run the ball next year. Uh, I mean, Mayan Williams coming back, I think, is a big deal. Those other guys got some really important experience, I think. Hopefully, we'll finally get to see a full Travion uh, Henderson season where where we get to kind of enjoy him. And, and I think that it's also going to be big for him to kind of get to play off of these other guys. I don't think that uh, he at his best is, is sort of an all purpose workhorse running back. I think that the fact that he has other guys there is exciting to me. The tackle situation is concerning to me, like you said, uh, you know, because they had probably the best tackle situation in all of college football last year. You could argue uh, with, with two guys who are projected to go very high in the NFL draft, you know, quarterback, we talked about it on, on the show earlier this week. It's just one of those things where you feel like, the floor is so high because of the system they have in place, the development, the the caliber of recruits that are obviously competing for this job. Ryan Day is a quarterback whisperer, and and obviously those receivers are just ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous. So offensively, I don't have too many questions if they can figure out the tackles, and they're going to have a little bit of time to do it. Uh, certainly that Notre Dame game is, is going to be coming up early on that schedule, and it's going to be a test. Defensively, I liked a lot of what Ohio State did last year. You know, Michigan game aside, I thought that they showed real improvement. They were a really solid unit. And again, I mean, some of some of those plays in the Michigan game were literally just a, a cornerback being like, what's my job again? <laughs> what am I doing here? It, it's just such a, a mental mistake that I don't think is a coaching mistake or an inability mistake. I, I think that Ohio State looked at times that, I, I mean, you watched them closer than I did, certainly. they It's inexcusable to give up as many big plays, whether it's a missed tackle or a missed assignment or two guys running into each other on a mesh route or whatever. Sure. Like There were just too many breakdowns across the board that I think is some combination and I think does get back to coaching. Like They weren't prepped for it. It, wasn't, it was often not dudes – hey, you're not fast enough to cover this guy, or you got mossed by this guy that you just sure. out, weren't a physical matchup. It was not that. It was blown coverages and missed tackles that instead of being a 20-yard gain were a 75-yard gain. So I do think I think they need to shore that up schematically and from a coaching standpoint. Sure, and, and I think that Jim Knowles is going to understand better what his team is capable and not capable of probably heading into year two than he will in year one. Um. And I think that uh, that's only going to help. I mean, Jim Knowles is a coach that historically gets better the longer that he's with a program. And so I, I expect that to happen. Probably my my one concern defensively is sort of I really like, like you said, sort of the top end guys at defensive back. I'm curious about the depth that that's probably something that I think they're going to have to continue to develop. But I mean, the pathway is there, right? The pathway is mm-hmm. there for Ohio State to be really good, to be not just as good as last year, but maybe even better than last year if some things break right. They don't have the superstar quarterback, I think, and it's I, I think it's very unfair to expect one of these guys to turn into C.J. Stroud. But the, what's going on around him could be even better than what uh, what Stroud had last year. So it's this is... Such an interesting team, like such an interesting yeah. team, uh, because, you know, the ceiling really is being the best team in college football by a good margin. And the floor is losing to Michigan again. So uh, they play Notre Dame on the road week four. That's going to, I think, be a really good test for them. I Actually, let's let's go into a Notre Dame discussion because I do think that they're going to be. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. Hold on one second. Before we do that. Is Ohio State in your playoff right now? Are you still molding? Right now, I have both Ohio State and Michigan in my playoff. Okay. So at the moment, we've talked about Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State, and we both have all three yeah. of them in. Yeah. That's not – there's only that's only one spot left. I know. So I know. before we go into Notre Dame, let's take our last break, and now it gets complicated. We'll do that next on the College Football Survivor Show. 
The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, Shahan, you want to do it. Do you want to talk about Notre Dame because you think Notre Dame is a real playoff contender? I think they have a real ability to pop. Now, I, I don't know. I mean, again, they play Ohio State in week four. And to be a playoff team, they probably have to beat Ohio State. And they have they have Ohio State, USC, and at Clemson on their schedule. This is going to be a Just ridiculously like last year. tough. Just like last yeah, year. A ridiculously tough road. But in the second half of last season, I think that they started to pull some things together. Uh, I don't love that they lost Tommy Reese, uh, offensive coordinator, but I, I feel pretty good about what they have uh, coming back. And then, by the way, they add Sam Hartman at quarterback. Sam Hartman, the ACC's all-time leading uh, touchdown thrower at Wake Forest. And they have never had a quarterback like this really since, I mean... Is Jimmy Clausen even fair? Like, he might be better. I think he might be a better college player than Jimmy Clausen. Like, we're talking like Brady Quinn. That, that's the last time that Notre Dame has had a quarterback like this. They've also, I think, addressed the receiver position in the last two recruiting classes in a way that we never saw under Brian Kelly. They still are dynamic defensively. They were really good last year. I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that this team is ready to be a playoff team with how tough their schedule is because they have to win two of three against Clemson, USC, and Ohio State. But I don't know. This is going to be a really exciting team. So that's a good name to throw into the mix. Let me throw another team into the mix for this fourth spot. And by the way, we have to talk about Bama, and we will. But I'm going to throw in (laughs) Florida State, along with everybody else in the country. Sure. Bill Connolly from ESPN on his returning production, Florida State's number one. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the country coming back in Jordan Travis. They have one of the best edge rushers in the country coming back in Jared Verse. They've added guys in the portal. They were had a step-up year a year ago. They feel like maybe they are returning to the Florida State of, of old, and it gets real right away for them because they open with LSU in Orlando on Sunday, September 3rd, And then week four is at Clemson. And so we're going to find out right away if Florida State is for real or not. Then it's Miami November 11th, and it's at Florida to end the season November 25th. There's going to be – everybody's talking about Florida State in the same way because verse coming back was such a big deal because Jordan Travis was so good last year because of the depth of talent that Mike Norvell has started to add there, and you, you can see it coming. And so I have Florida State as the ACC champ and my fourth team here. But man, LSU and Clemson in September, that's, that's as tough as anybody's September. So it gets real right away. And I don't know how much, when we are talking about these other top four programs, the same way we're talking about them, I don't know how much wiggle room anybody has. I don't know how, I don't know if one loss conference champ is going to get you in compared to the one-loss SEC runner-up compared to the one-loss loser of Ohio State-Michigan if both those things happen. If you're the undefeated conference champ, you're going to be in ahead of those teams. But if those other losers in those games look great all year, and you're a one-loss conference champ, and yeah, the conference championship matters, but the committee actually thinks these other teams are better, I don't think Florida State has a lot of margin for error necessarily, but I think they're going to be good. So is Florida State on your radar? Absolutely on my radar. The The question for me is, I think that they have to beat both LSU and Clemson. And they can afford a loss somewhere else if they do that. But also, because uh, the ACC is moving away from divisional scheduling this year, so they're probably going to get Clemson again. Now, that helps if they lose that one game against Clemson, because then they can get it back. And if they win one of two against Clemson, that's probably enough. But yeah, they they have to come out of the gates hot right away because there aren't that many favors down the stretch of the season to kind of get them back into the mix. I mean, again, you're you're probably talking two top 10 teams in LSU in week one and Clemson in week four. You're probably not playing another ranked team against maybe Wake Forest on October 28th. And that's a maybe. And that might be it. That might be the entire ranked section of your schedule. So you got to come out and make a statement early on. I, I think that if Florida State does make it 
It has to be a situation where they win those two games early, jump up into being a top four team early in the year and kind of just hang on for the ride because it's, it's not going to be easy. Now, I think they're absolutely capable of doing it. I think that they deserve very much to be in this conversation. I don't have them right now as one of the four. Okay, so let's talk about other candidates for this for the playoff before we finish with an Alabama discussion. I guess you have to include Clemson in there somewhere. They're kind of in the same place as Florida State if Cade Klubnick really has a great year and Garrett Riley as the maybe the best offensive coordinator hire of the offseason if he makes a huge difference. Dabo did not let last season rest. He made huge moves. So maybe Clemson is back to being Clemson. We don't know. I looked hard at the Pac-12 and I couldn't figure out what to do mostly between Oregon and USC, maybe a little bit of Washington. So I punted. And then the Big 12, it just doesn't feel to me like there's somebody there. How did you look at Pac-12 and Big 12 playoff contenders? So I don't see a team from the Big 12, but I felt that way last year and TCU ended up being that team. So it's certainly possible that somebody steps up. Right now, I, you know, all jokes aside, the team that I'd have as the Big 12 favorite would be Texas. and. I think that they lose at Alabama and lose at least one more. I don't see a pathway to them only losing one game and making it all the way through the season that way. And I don't really see who could be that team that comes in and dominates from the start uh, from the Big 12. So to me, the Big 12 isn't going to make the playoff next year. But again, I said that last year and a team went 12-0 and through the Big 12, which is something that hasn't happened in the round robin era. Pac-12 is interesting. So USC... First of all, I think the Pac-12 is going to be a great league next year at the top. Like they yes, have a lot of really good teams. You know, you mentioned USC and Oregon. You have to throw Utah in there. Uh, UCLA is going to be really interesting. Washington. Washington might be the most under the radar 11 and 2 team that I've ever seen in my life. Like they were awesome last year. And if, if they just didn't lose to an awful Arizona state team in like week seven in just a weird one score game, then the PAC 12 championship game would have been USC versus Washington as a play into the college football playoff. It it would have been. And so don't, don't do that again, Washington. Don't, don't pull that again. Uh, I think that Washington has a very real chance and a very real pathway to the playoff. I, I think that USC does as well. Uh, you know, USC, though, their schedule is pretty difficult. They do play at Notre Dame versus Utah the very next week versus Washington at Oregon versus UCLA. That's five potentially losable games uh, versus I think last year, you know, you were really looking at them having two or three. Hell, I, I think you have to throw Oregon State in there. Oregon State was a 10-win team that added a quarterback who I think is really going to make a difference for them. So, but, but I think what you're saying is you have to throw them into the mix of good Pac-12 teams who are all yes. going to beat each other up and nobody makes the playoff. I, I think that there is definitely a way that that happens. So I'm, I'm looking hard at Washington. So Washington, they go play at Michigan State. I think that's going to be a good sort of clout victory for them. I don't think Michigan State is going to be a whole lot better next year. Uh, they get Oregon at home. I like that. USC on the road. That's going to be a tough game. But then they get Utah at Oregon State. I, I think that they can survive it potentially. I, Yeah, this is tough. This is tough. But let me ask you this. Beyond the schedule, because they're all going to play each other. Who do you think the most talented team in the Pac-12 is going to be? Is it going to be USC? I didn't pick USC because I think their defense is still going to hold them back. I don't think Alex Grinch is the answer. Lincoln Riley supported him. I think he gets one more year, and then they're going to have to make a change. But I don't believe in that part of USC enough that I think – and I think the conference is tough enough that I don't think they're going to get there. But is USC the most talented team? I think Oregon's probably in that mix too. They lost a lot, but – I kind of like what Dan Lanning's doing. Who, who's the who's the most talented team, regardless of schedule? I think USC is the most talented team, regardless of schedule. They have the Heisman winning quarterback. Uh, I think that they're going to be just as good at receiver. They're going to continue to improve. I think on the offensive line, defensively, you know, look, year one was what it was. I do think they're going to continue to get better on that side. It's not going to be amazing. I'm not going to sit here and promise that, but I do think they'll be improved. The schedule is a lot harder this year uh, just because you do get rid of divisions. I mean, I, whenever they release the Pac-12 schedule, I like stared at the top five or six teams in the Pac-12. And I was like, how do they all play each other? How do they how does every good team in the Pac-12 play each other this year? Who did this? Whose idea was this? Because it's not going to help anybody out. Um, I, I feel like somebody's going to come out of it, though. 
I, I just feel like there is going to be a Pac-12 team that comes through and finds a way to escape with only one loss. I wish I could tell you right this second. So, so, I felt so we're like going to make our picks next. here. So we're talking this out. So let me run through the, the teams that we're considering. Bill Connolly is returning, returning production, and this will lead us to the Alabama conversation. Florida yeah. State's number one in the nation in returning production. Michigan's yeah. five. Yeah. USC is 14. Utah, 16. Texas, wow. 19. Washington, 22. Wisconsin, who we didn't really talk about, but we've liked as a dark horse, 27. LSU, 32. Clemson, 36. Notre Dame, 44. Ohio State, 48. Oregon State, 53. Oregon, 54. Penn State, 56. Tennessee, 69. Oklahoma, 77. Georgia, 80th in returning production. That's 109th in offense and 42nd in defense. And 125th in returning production is Alabama. So what does that mean? (laughs) This is the dominant team of this era of college football. They have made seven of nine playoffs. We are an hour into a playoff prediction show in March, and we have barely talked about them. I do not have them in my playoff, mostly because I did not allow myself to pick Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan. (laughs) If I really think to myself, who's going to win an Alabama-Georgia SEC title game? I think it might be Alabama. But Georgia's path to that game is so easy. And I'm thinking about Texas in week two, where it's a, a young starter for Alabama versus Quinn Ewers with a year under his belt for Texas. I'm thinking about having to play LSU. I'm thinking about the things Alabama has to do. I think Alabama has a better chance than Georgia of getting tripped up on the way there. So how are you thinking about Bama as a playoff contender? They're really hard. I mean, heading into last year, I think that you just had to, at least I felt like you had to default them. You had to default that, oh, well, they're going to be just as good. They're going to be a playoff team because that's what they had been for so many years. I think that last year kind of broke that stranglehold in some ways. I don't think that Alabama is a team that you kind of have to mentally pencil in anymore because we saw a really good Alabama team that couldn't do it. And that looked like a, a really good team, but a normal really good team and not some otherworldly being floating above the rest of the earth. And now, like you said, they lose so much on both sides of the ball. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know who their stars are going to be next year. I, I think that they've had a lot of issues developing that wide receiver position in the past couple of years. So I don't have a ton of confidence that whoever comes in at quarterback is guaranteed to be as good as Bryce Young. Defensively, I think that it'll probably be better in some ways. I think that uh, they're going to get back to fundamentals a little bit under Kevin Steele. And and I do think that they could put together a very exciting run-based offense uh, b- behind uh, Jalen Milrow. So. Like they have a pathway, but their floor is so much lower than what it is in normal years. And for that reason, I just can't assume that it's going to happen, especially when they do play so many difficult games, I think, early in the year. Okay. My playoff, one Michigan, two Georgia, three Ohio State, four Florida State. Time for you. We talked it out the best we could. It's March. It's March. It's March. But I think it's a worthy conversation, and we'll see what changes maybe early May once we get through spring football. Give me your four teams right now, Sean. Number one, I'll go Georgia. Number two, I'll go Michigan. Number three, I'm going to go with Washington. I, I think that they find a way to make it out, and I think they will be improved in Kalen DeBoer's second season, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And at number four, I'm going to go with Ohio State. I, I think that Michigan wins the game, but Ohio State is 11-1 and one and kind of similar to last year, backdoors their way in. So that would set up for you a Georgia-Ohio State semifinal rematch and a Michigan-Washington semifinal. For me, it would set up Michigan-Florida State in a semifinal and Georgia-Ohio State in another semifinal. We're both pitching, picking a Georgia-Ohio State rematch. I will tell you, in March, in March, in March, I'm thinking hard about an Ohio State-Michigan national championship game. Like, I, we were, however close we were a year ago to that. We didn't get either of them. We weren't far away from getting both of them. And I think the circumstances to create that remain and perhaps are enhanced. 
And we also might get a Georgia-Alabama national championship game. I don't know, but I just – we need to see. It's why we're doing it now. We need to see what the quarterback battles at Georgia and Alabama look like this spring. How they play, how people talk about them, who takes the lead. That is going – we might be here in six weeks being like, oh, my, I can't believe we ever thought that because something has happened in those quarterback battles. And so that's what we talked about on the pod earlier this week. But I, I like doing this. I like I like talking about the playoff, man. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. We should do a show about it. Um, what chance is 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 there any chance? I guess I'll phrase it as that Penn State plays spoiler. Is there any chance that this top two stranglehold of the Big Ten gets thrown into whack? I think Penn State is building something. Get back to me in twenty twenty four in year two of Drew Aller as the starting quarterback at Penn State because they're gonna have a I, they figured out some offensive line stuff and I, they just they usually have skill guys and their defense is is pretty good and they do have guys coming back this year. Fashani with left tackle is a big deal, right? They have some of the best linebackers in the country. They have, you know, Kalen King at corner had a great year last year. Like they Penn State has some really good players. They have a very tough path and I think it's one of these situations where get Penn state into the playoff as a seven seed in 2024 with drew Aller at quarterback and let, let, let's see what happens. Right. But that, are they going to beat, are they going to do what they need to do and beat both Ohio state and Michigan? When we're, when I'm talking about an Ohio state, Michigan national championship game, does Penn state have to beat both of them to get in a position to make the playoff? They certainly have to beat one. Do they have to beat both? I think what becomes interesting is a scenario that I don't think is out of the question where Penn State beats Michigan, Michigan beats Ohio State, Ohio State beats Penn State. And now I, I think it's very unlikely that then all three of those teams would just win every other game. Like, I think that we probably, that's probably how it would work itself out. But I mean, I think that it would throw a lot of question for everybody if that were to happen. Um, like, I don't, I don't think that anybody would totally know what to do if, if those three teams all look similar caliber. Yeah, then you're talking about who wins the tiebreaker to get in the Big Ten championship game. You're talking about, you know, again, Ohio State with that opportunity against Notre Dame in the non-conference might have an edge there. But, yeah, it could get real messy. That is not impossible at all. And they've kind of avoided situations like that. But it it could get very real very quick because, again, I think we all agree Penn State was probably like the eighth best team in the country last year. They only lost Ohio State, Michigan. And if they're more like the fifth – if they're like the more like the fifth or sixth best team in the country this year, they jump up and get somebody, and all of a sudden now you're talking about a playoff discussion. You might have six, three of the six best teams in the country in the same division, not just in the same conference, but in the same division. And in the SEC, no matter what, right now that's not going to happen because Alabama and Georgia are on different sides. So they might have three of the best six teams, but it's not going to be in the same division, which just allows it to be a little less complicated. So plenty of time to talk about all this. We appreciate you guys indulging us on a playoff discussion in March. We'll let spring football play out. We'll come back and do this again. For now, make sure you're reading Shahan at CBS Sports. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any episodes. And for Shahan J. Haraja, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. 